This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. Tonight we're doing a, a, a series, <clears throat> excuse me, I've called it Positive Actions for Negative Times. I, I want to take a, a, a detour a little bit. We had a night of worship last Wednesday night. I, I want to talk about a situation with David. And David, who is one of my favorite biblical characters, uh, what he deals with tonight is not one of David's highlights. This is one of David's low, mo- low moments, and what he does is, is just so not good. I mean, if, if I told you and, and just came and said, hey, I know somebody who um, had an affair. Actually, he was a powerful person. He was in a, pers- a position of authority, and he had an affair with another man's wife, and he got her pregnant. And when he got her pregnant, he tried to cover over it and and bring the husband back in because the husband was off at war fighting for his country. And he he brings the husband back and tries to cover over it. And when he couldn't cover over it, this powerful man had the husband murdered. Now, and then he married the guy's wife. Now, if I just told you that story straight up, you're like, whoa, That, that, that sounds like something that Hollywood would produce and it would definitely get an R rating. And yet what we're finding in in that story I just gave you is actually a story of exactly what David did in the Bible. And so we're talking about some negative times for sure. And, but this is something that, that David actually calls. So let's look at this. We've got a, we've got an affair, a murder and a cover up. Now these actions are considered worthy of, of harsh punishment today. If that happened and that guy would have been caught, well, obviously he'd been indicted. And so uh, David thought he covered it up. <clears throat> God saw it. He didn't cover it. And so David, uh, David was dealing with some judgment. David was the leader of Israel. God had anointed him. God had given him the kingdom. God had blessed him, given him wives. He had wives, plural. He didn't need another one. And, and yet the, the prophet told David, said, you despised the Lord. That's was good. No, that's not good. And so David is now facing uh, judgment. And, and no one likes to talk about that, but this is exactly what happened. And so David's, David's son became terminally ill. So let's read 2 Samuel 12, 9 through 10. This is what the prophet says to David. It says, why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You've killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword and you've taken his wife to be your wife and you've killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Now, that's pretty harsh stuff, but you think, this, what David did was wrong. And so David and, and the wife, her name was Bathsheba. They had a baby and the baby became ill terminally ill. So here's just a good rule of thought. When, when bad things happen, here's rule number one. <laughs> when you see something bad happen in someone else's life, just as a, as a good rule of thumb, rule number one is don't judge. We're not qualified to judge. When bad things happen, we can usually liken it to three things. One, we do have an enemy, Satan, and we have negative demonic forces. They're in this earth. There's a spiritual realm and there are demonic forces. This explains some of the horrible evil that we see. So we do have an enemy, Satan, and we live in a fallen world. 
with people who are selfish and people who want their own. And, and the Bible said they have a desire to have and it causes problems. And also we have to take responsibility for our own actions. Galatians, the sixth chapter says this, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows that he will also reap for he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. Now, what I've just shared to, tonight is <laughs> you're thinking, wow, and I tuned into this to be encouraged. Um, here's, here's the idea behind this, is understanding that sometimes some of the negative situations that we get in are our fault. And one of the best ways to get out of those negative situations, if it's your fault, is to ask God, is ask God for forgiveness and mercy. Not every negative situation, though, is our fault. Again, bad things happen. I start looking for the enemy. I start looking, hey, is it just a function of fallen people in the earth? It, you know, in my own heart, I, I know whether or not I've missed it. You know whether or not you've missed it. And so what we're seeing here is this is something where a leader did something really egregiously wrong and judgment came and this, his little baby became terminally ill. Now, Sometimes people will look at that and they'll, they'll say, it's like they take a snapshot and they go, well, that's, well, that's God and God is harsh and, and God is, should have never done that and, and that's wrong. Listen, you can't just take one snapshot and build your whole theology around it. Because if you're gonna do that, then you have to take the rest of the story because there's another picture here. And even though David had reaped a bad harvest, God's mercy was overwhelming. So David had, he did, he did these horrible things. He opened the door and now he's got, his little infant son is dying. In fact, the, the child did die, but, but, and this is to me is the most amazing thing. You look at that and go, oh, that, that's, that's so harsh, but you've got to look at the mercy of God. In 2 Samuel 12, 24 through B through 25, it said, she, Bathsheba bore a son. This is after the child died and called his name Solomon. Now the Lord loved him and he sent word by the hand of Nathan the prophet. So he called his name Jedidiah, which means beloved of the Lord because of the Lord. Now here's the amazing thing. David did all these horrible things and then, and then his little son dies and he, he goes back to Bathsheba who, who he kept as a wife. This is the lady he had the affair with and they have another son and that son is Solomon who becomes Consider one of the wisest men to ever have lived and one of the most powerful, one of the most amazing kings. And it becomes the king of the nation. And they, in fact, he's so loved of the Lord, they nicknamed him Jedidiah, means beloved of the Lord. Can you see the mercy of God? Listen, guys, people are talking about God's throwing thunderbolt and God's doing all these horrible things. God's mercy is new every morning. It is overwhelmingly good. And what God did for David here to me is one of the greatest pictures. So if you're going to take the snapshot of judgment, you've got to take the snapshot of mercy and God's grace towards Solomon. But let's take a look at this story because in this story, we see David dealing with some things and then we see David recovering. That's what I want to talk about tonight, how David recovers. David had an amazing confidence in God. We're going to read 2 Samuel. Let's read this 12 and we're going to read 16 through 20. David therefore pleaded with God. And we're going back to, uh, I, I moved ahead. I'm going back to the story where David's infant son, the one he had an affair with, uh, with Bathsheba is dying. 
So David therefore pleaded with God for the child. And David fasted and went in and laid all night on the ground. So the elder of his, of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat food with them. Then on the seventh day, it came to pass that the child died and the servants of David were afraid to tell him the child was dead for they said, indeed, while the child was alive, we spoke to him and he would not heed our voice. How can we tell him the child is dead? He may do some harm. When David saw his servants were whispering, David perceived the child was dead. Therefore, David said to his servants, is the child dead? They said, he's dead. So David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes. And he went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. Then he went to his own house when he requested and they set food before him and he ate. David was, now David was praying. Now listen, just think about this. David was praying and fasting for seven days. He's praying and fasting. The Lord told him <clears throat> this child's going to die. And yet David prays and fast for seven days. The Bible said he laid on, on the ground. He was obviously despondent. In fact, he was so despondent that his, his servants were worried about it. They were worried, oh, if we tell, we tell David that this child has died, we think he's going to do harm. In other words, they thought he might take his own life. He's so despondent. But he's crying and praying and crying out to God for seven days. Now, I don't know about you. I've prayed about some things and I've prayed about some things of duration. I don't know that I've ever fasted and prayed for seven days. That's a high level of commitment. But it's a high level of belief. David's actions indicate he believes something about God. Here's two things that David believes about God. He believes God is real. He's praying and fasting because he believes God is real. He, he knows that God is real and he believed that God is able to change some things. Later, they asked him why, why he, he did that. And David said this in 2 Samuel 12, 22. He said, while the child was alive, I fasted and wept for I said, who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live? Now, I want you to stop and think about this. David had an affair with a woman who wasn't his, wasn't his wife, another man's wife, got her pregnant, had the man killed, tried to cover it up. The Lord told him through the prophet, you're going to lose this child. And David still prays for seven days and nights because he said, Maybe the Lord will be gracious to me. Gosh, that's an amazing confidence in God. That David, and if you look at David's life, I encourage you to go back, read the whole chapter. It's really, it's an interesting chapter. I've, I've kind of condensed it. It's an interesting chapter, but what you see in David is such a confidence in God's goodness. That God is so, it is so good. Even though David had done all this stuff, he's praying for seven days. God, would you, would you be gracious to me? Maybe you, you'll let the child live. That's an amazing confidence in the goodness of God. And if you, if you read the story of David, you'll find that David had much more confidence in God's goodness than he had in man's goodness. David believed that God was really, really good. Men, he didn't trust so much. But boy, he believed God. I love that confidence in God that David did these things. So we see he believed that God was real and that prayer would change things. Here's a, a, a great question for us. And this, this is a question I can't answer this for you. You can answer, but I want to ask these questions. How good is God to us? How, when we look at God, how good is, is God to us? Is he smiling on you 
or is he frowning? Is he desiring to help you or is he reluctant to get involved? Now, again, I'm asking what your perception is. I can't answer that for you. I, I, I can give you mine, but I, I can't answer that for you. But you, these are good questions. When I see God, do I see God as giving me the, you know, the, what I used to call as a child, the stink eye. He's going to give me the hard eye, the, the stink eye, the hard eye. Or do you see God as loving and smiling at you? Do you see God with his arms folded waiting for you to do the right thing so he can help? Or do you see him just waiting for you to give him something to work with? It's a great question. How do you see God? Here's, an, here's another question. Do you, is God bigger or smaller than our faults and failures? Now that's a great one. Bigger or smaller? What do, what do I mean by that? I've talked with people as a pastor before and, and I've talked to them about God's goodness and sometimes you hear them say things like, but I've done this and, and I've done that and, and I've been such a disappointment. I, I felt that sometimes in my own life. I'm thinking, hey, I've, I've, done, I've done this or I didn't do this and, and I feel like, and, and I think that's the, the voice of the enemy telling us how lousy we are as Christians and, and how our faults and failures are just creating such a barrier between us and God. And yet here's David who did all these horrible things who believes that God is so good that he's going to pray for seven days because he's, he believes God may do something. Good questions. How good is God? How good is he to you? Will he help you? Will he help you get a job? Will he help bring peace in your family? Will, will God help you lie down and sleep at night without all that anxiety? Can God do something amazing with your relationships and, and give you wisdom about how to deal with some of the thorny problems that you keep dealing with? Is God good enough to do that? Well, you got to answer that question. I hope you answer it. Yes. I really believe that, that when we get to heaven, one of the biggest regrets we're going to ever have is we recognize how good God is and, and how we, but how we just put him in a box Instead of going, Lord, you're, you're so good. How about that? Here's another question for you. Can your prayers be effective? David prayed for seven, seven days and nights and fasted and prayed because he really believed his prayers could change things. You say, well, that's David and I'm not David. Yeah, but, but if you belong to Jesus, the Bible said you've become the righteousness of God in Christ. And James talks about that where it says, confess your trespasses to one another, pray for one another that you may be healed the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I think one translation said causes great power to be made available. So it says that, that our, our prayers can avail much. How do you talk about your prayers? Do you say things like, well, my, my prayers never get past the ceiling. God never hears my prayers. Wouldn't it be good maybe just to switch that and say, Lord, because my righteousness did not come from me, it came from you. It's a gift. Because I have it, I can, my prayers can, can change things. And if I pray and maybe something doesn't come to pass, I can go back and ask you for your wisdom and you'll give it to me. Wouldn't that change things? God's good. Confidence in God. Let's see what David did because he took some positive steps toward recovery. We see when David was, they said when they told him the child was dead, the first thing he did, they said he got up and he, he changed his clothes and he anointed himself. He was no longer wearing the despondent clothes. Listen, if you, 
if you wore the same clothes for seven days in a row, it's going to be wrinkled. You've been sleeping in them. You've been, been crying and praying. You're, you're, you're on the ground praying. You know, I, I don't, those clothes aren't going to look and smell too good. So by getting up and changing and cleaning up, David indicated something. He indicated he was moving on. So he changed his clothes. He, he anointed himself. I'm, I'm sure that was some oil, oil that, that smelled good. And so David is, is he's changing. He gets up and he goes, okay, it's, it's time to move on. We're talking about recovery. It's time to move on. Here's the second thing he did. He went and worshiped God. Now this is important. He went and worshiped God. God was the one that told him that because of David's sin that that child was going to die. God was the one that, that, that David realized that what he had done had caused death to come into his family. God did not change what David had done and he lost the child. And yet David went and worshiped God. The Bible never says David went and blamed God. He worshiped him. You know, you can't worship and blame God at the same time. But David went and he went into the house of the Lord before he even ate with his family. Before he went back to his family, he went and, and he just, he went and acknowledged God. One of the most beautiful things about David's life, and you see this all in the Psalms, is David's constantly praising and worshiping and rejoicing before God. And that is key to recovery. Because if David's going to move on, he can't be angry. He can't be blaming God. And listen, I know things have happened and they've happened to a lot of people. I've, as a pastor, I see stuff all the time. And I see people who are angry at God all the time. And I, I just want to encourage you that that's not a good way. It doesn't get results. David was a man who was able to recover. And because he wasn't blaming God, he was worshiping God. I promise you that helped him recover and get on the right track. So he changed his clothes. He went and worshiped. And then he said he went to his house and he ate. If you go seven days without, seven days without food will make one week. That's a pun. It's a bad one. But seven days without food will make you weak. W-E-A-K. You, you haven't eaten in seven, seven days. Some of you are thinking, there's no, I, I don't know if I can make you know, seven hours, but seven days without eating, you, you've lost strength. So he goes and he eats and he gains strength. So he, again, it's time to move on. It's time to recover. David's got, he's got a kingdom to run. He's got things to do. So he's worshiping God. He's got his clothes. He's got, got his kingly clothes back on. He, he smells good. He's looking good. He's eating. He's starting to feel good again. And we see something about David's perspective of God and death that helps him recover. His, again, his perspective is huge here. And so we see in 2 Samuel 12, 23, because they were asking, why in the world? They said, basically his, his people are saying, why in the world, David, that when this child was, was, was dying, you were on the floor, you were, we couldn't talk to you, we were concerned you were going to kill yourself. Why? And then when the child is dead, you get up and you begin to move on. And what David shares is, I think, one of the most amazing perspectives of dead. But now, he's talking about the child, but now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. One of the things that helped David so much is the knowledge that he would see this little infant son again. 
And that was his perspective on the afterlife, his perspective on the mercy of God. He knew this child was still existing, just not on earth. And he knew he would see him again. I've, as a pastor, I've done so many funerals and I've noticed over the years <clears throat> such a difference in people who have that, that, that sense, that knowledge that I will see this loved one again. Is it sad? Yes. Is it devastating? Not nearly as much because we have hope and that makes all the difference in the world. <clears throat> Excuse me. So our positive steps, let's, let's take some of what David did. Let's turn it around. Let's look at us. Our positive steps toward recovery or in negative situations. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe you've lost a job. Maybe you've lost something during this time. Maybe you lost income. Maybe your relationships did not turn out like you'd hoped. So much of the time we put so, so much of our hope. And so there's loss, there's, there's negativity in our lives. What are some of the ways we can recover? And I think we can learn from David here. So let me just give you some ways that will help you recover. Here's the first one. Metaphorically speaking, we need to change clothes. We need to not be wearing the clothes of sadness and grief. Psalms 104, 34 says, my meditation of him of God shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. The idea of changing our clothes. I know you've seen this. I've seen this. You've seen people who have, have, it's almost like they wear their bitterness like a coat. When they come in, they're just bitter and, and you could, it, it's all over them. The Bible actually talks about being clothed with humility, meaning we're not so eat up with ourselves. So we acknowledge what God has done. But it talks about being clothed. If you look the word up, it talks about being clothed with shame. And it talks about God is clothed with glory and honor. I think sometimes people, we, we and again, you realize I'm speaking metaphorically, but you're, you, you see people and, and some people are wearing coats of sadness and you get around them and they're just, they're just sad and grieving. And again, I'm not, I'm not belittling anybody's situation, but I'm talking about how do you recover? David said, my meditation, my thoughts about God will be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. When our thoughts about God, that God is good, that God will deal bountifully with me, that we can begin to make the decision this, I'm not going to walk around sad and I'm not going to walk around wearing a frown. You, you, I've walked in rooms before and Joyce looked at me and said, what's wrong? Well, it's obviously that I'm carrying something. But isn't it good when you might be going through something and nobody knows what's going on because you are, you're wearing the clothes of someone who's going to win because God's going to help you. So you got the winter clothes on and you smile. I remember meeting a, a missionary one, one time I was at a conference and I started talking to this guy. It seemed like just a real nice guy, real cheerful guy. And he started telling me some of the things that he'd, he'd been through and while he was in America, one of his associate pastors basically took over his church and stole his church and kicked him out. And it's just all these horrible things. And I'm sitting there listening to this guy going, that is amazing because this brother has been through the fire. He does not smell smoky. He was not wearing the cloak of woe is me and self-pity. Man, he had a winner's attitude. He's going to come out of that. We got to change our clothes. 
being sad, being grieved. Yeah, I understand it. But at some point in time, we got to take those things off and go, you know what, God, you've been good to me. You will help me. I am going to come through this. I'm going to change my clothes. I'm putting on my winning clothes. Here's the second one. Get on God's side. If we're talking about recovery, blaming him will not produce good results. Blaming him will not produce. Listen, I've watched it. I've seen it. And I've never seen someone come and talk to me or sit in my office or call me on the phone. And they're so angry at God and mad at God and happy at the same time. <laughs> it, doesn't, it just doesn't happen. And so the scriptures constantly talk to us about rejoicing. And if you read the Psalms, rejoicing. Philippians talks about rejoicing. Paul talked about this when he wrote the Philippian church, rejoice in the, in the Lord, always. And again, I will say rejoice. One of the best tracks to recovery is rejoicing. I was at a, at a um, conference years and years ago. Joy and I were just married and I was, I'd gone through a bout of depression. Uh, I was trying to make money. I was selling door, insurance door to door. I was not doing a good job with it. A lot of pressure, had a baby coming and man, I just got, I got depressed and I went one night to a, to a, a conference, a speaker was speaking and we were worshiping and praising and I, you know, I'm kind of going through the motions. And um, I remember the speaker stopped and, and said, he said, you know, he said, I just sense in my heart, the Lord saying we haven't praised him enough. In other words, we haven't praised God enough. He said, so we praised and sang a little bit more. He said, now listen, he said, if you've been dealing with depression, if you've been dealing with oppression, he said, I don't want you to walk. I want you to run down here. And I, I, I'm sitting back there. I'm in my early 20s. I'm sitting back there. I'm like, I ain't running anywhere. I don't run. I'm too, way too cool to run. So I'm sitting back there. And he said, if you're depressed or oppressed, I've been depressed and oppressed. And I remember Joy looked over. She, she looked at me. It was, it was a classic look. It was a look that communicated so much. And basically it was, what are you doing still standing here? I'm about to kick you down these steps so you'll get there. And, and I remember walking down and thinking, I, I'm way too cool to run. But then I thought, what have I got to lose? And I started to run down to the front. And as I did, it felt like just like a cloak dropped just over me. And all that depression and oppression just broke off my life. It was so wonderful. And I was rejoicing. But I, I remember in my heart, I knew that rejoicing is one of the ways not to get in that place again. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You're talking about recovery. That's a good way to recover. It's a lot easier to recover when you're rejoicing than when you're blaming. So remember that one. Let's, let's get on God's side. Because when I'm rejoicing, I'm on God's side. God, you're good and I'm on your side. I, I want to be teamed up with him. When we're choosing teams, I want to be on his side. We just watched a, uh, a documentary with Michael Jordan. If you're on Michael Jordan's team, you were going to win. Michael Jordan was an amazing competitor and he was a winner. And we're going to end this. We're going to end this debate for all time. And he is the best of all time. Not LeBron. Love LeBron, but it ain't him. Anyway, if you're on Michael's team, you win. But you know what? I know somebody stronger and better and more skilled than Michael Jordan. And it's God. And I want to get on God's side. I want to be on his side. We're picking teams. I'm like, I'm with God. And rejoicing is one of the best ways to get on his side. 
One of the best ways to say, look, I'm with him. Lord, I'm rejoicing. You have dealt bountifully with me. You've been gracious to me. I'm rejoicing. And we rejoice before we see the situation turn. Now that's the key. I'm not rejoicing when it gets better. I'm rejoicing before it gets better because me and God, we're going to win. And that's a, good, that's a good way to see it. So get on God's side. Here's the last one. Do things that produce strength. I've got a phrase here. It'd be good to remember it. Complaining is draining. Complaining is draining. It is not going to help you. Do things that will produce strength. So here's some things. Hear good messages. Fellowship with other believers. I call this environmental strength. Listen, we're going to be starting back up here soon. If you're okay, we're going to have a, we've got a big auditorium. We can spread out. If you're okay, it will do you good if you're in the area, to come to church. Why? You'll hear a good message. You'll see other believers. And there's something about when we come together, I call it environmental strength. The, the environment will strengthen you. And it's a, it's a great time. If you can make it, please make it. If you can't, keep watching us because you can still hear a good message. You can still worship. That, that's good. But if you can be around other believers, this is something that will strengthen us. And I think We've been dealing with weariness. This is something that will seriously help us. So environmental strength. And then here's the last one. Read and meditate in the scriptures. You say, Alan, you seem like always you get back to reading your Bible and thinking about the Bible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope I always do. Look what Jesus said about this in Luke. He said, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. You know, David went to his house and he ate. And that produced strength in him. When you read the scriptures, whether you feel strong or not, you are putting strength in you. When you take a moment, just meditate and think about these scriptures and pray over them, you're putting strength in you. You're strengthening yourself spiritually. Forget how you feel. Just keep doing it. A lot of times, I don't know that every time I eat a meal that it's strengthening me, but I know if I stop eating, I get weak. So keep eating. These are some great steps to recovery. We're going to put on our winning clothes. We're going, to, we're going to rejoice in the Lord and be on God's side. And we're going to do the things in our life that produce strength. And I believe as we do, we recover faster. Doesn't mean we'll never go through negative things, but it does mean we can come through them. Let me take a moment and pray for you. If, if you've never made the decision and you said, you know what, I've I've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. If you're watching and you say, I knew the Lord and I got away from him and you want to come back. Listen, he is open arms. You're talking about someone smiling. He is open arms. Welcome you to come to him for the first time and to come back. He's got a smile on his face. He's responding. He's, he's already willing. All you have to do is make a move in that direction. We're going to say a prayer. And so I'm going to lead you in it. Pray this prayer. If you're by yourself, pray it out loud. If you're in a room, just pray it quietly to yourself, but, but pray this prayer with me. It's, it's just a short, powerful prayer of commitment to God. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now. 
I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Now, if you prayed that prayer, listen, if, if, if you're on one of our, our interactive online channels, go ahead and just click that button and say, yes, I, I committed or I, I raised my hand. We, around here, we call it raising your hand. If, if you're not on an interactive channel, if you'd simply like to text 313131, that we'll send you some information. We'll be glad to get you some, man, we'll be glad to send you a Bible. All you got to do is text in. And so do that. That's it, a great action to say, you know, I prayed that prayer. I, I didn't make this up. I prayed this. and be a blessing. Let me pray for the, for the rest of you. Maybe you've been dealing with some difficult times. Maybe you've been thinking, I, I need to get on the road to recovery. I believe that God can help you. Heavenly Father, thank you for those who tuned in. They, so many things they could have done tonight, and yet they're listening to words about you, words that strengthen, words that bring life, words that heal and deliver. Father, I ask that you would strengthen them with might by your spirit in their inner man. And Father, I pray that they would begin to walk worthy of you, fully pleasing you, that they would be fruitful in every good work and they would increase in the knowledge of you. Thank you for strengthening, for encouraging, for blessing. Thank you that we can recover. We're on your team. We're on your side. We'll give you all the praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Guys, we love you. We're praying for you. Let me bless you before we go. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. We love you. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.